0: Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at bethesdachurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Welcome to week number two of the book of Philippians. We kicked off A brand new series last Sunday on this short book called Philippians, and we're calling this uh, series Choose Joy because the theme over these four chapters is joy. Paul uses the word joy or glad or rejoice 17 times in four chapters, and what we are learning is that no matter the situation, we can choose joy. And that's heavy, I I know, because many of you are here and think, man, I can't really choose joy in the season that I'm in. But that's not what the Apostle Paul would tell us. He would tell us that we can choose joy no matter what. Last week we looked at the question, where is the joy? Today, um, I want to call this message, it's all about approach. It's all about approach. Um, my assignment today is going to be extremely difficult, okay? Uh, and you guys know me well enough by now. I'm not afraid um, of the hard subjects, the tough subjects. We, we will talk about them. Uh, but this is a tough, tough assignment today because Paul spends chapter 1 talking about suffering and joy at the same time, that we can choose joy in the midst of suffering, and I know what some of you are thinking already, no, pastor, excuse me, they, they can't be connected, right? Like, if I'm suffering, I can't have joy, right? That, that, that if I'm joyful, there's no way I could be experiencing suffering. But, but what you have to understand is that 18 times in the New Testament, the words joy and suffering are connected. That in spite of suffering, we are called to choose joy. And so it's a tough assignment today, and I'm not looking for anybody to run laps or shout me down, right? I I don't expect that today because it's a heavy subject, but I believe that God will speak to us, uh, and we're going to learn today that we can choose joy in spite of whatever we're going through. Now, culture would have us believe that it's impossible to choose joy while you're suffering, it, most most uh, secular books would say that that's not even possible, but the Apostle Paul spends significant time connecting these two together, and I think the reason we can't fathom that joy and suffering can go together is because we, we avoid suffering, uh, and, and I don't mean we avoid going through it, we avoid talking about it. We, we, it's not a subject that, um, you know, you, you want to invite people over and say, let's talk about suffering today. Um, you know, nobody's doing that. We, we don't know how to approach the subject. And, and, and a lot of times we want to sweep it under the rug, pretend that it's not there. And, and the reason is because it's a big subject. It's, it's a dangerous subject in, in the fact that, uh, when you talk about suffering, there's a lot of questions that come behind this topic. Like, why am I suffering? How is this happening to me? Why is God allowing me to suffer? And so the the questions can go on and on, and we all have a specific list that we would be asking as it relates to our personal suffering. Yet when you look at what Paul writes, he's letting us know that he never allowed his suffering to determine his level of joy. And here, here's the verse I want to start with because we're fo- last week was more of an overview. Today we're going to spend a lot of time in chapter 1. Philippians 1.29, he says, For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ. How I many of it's a privilege to trust Christ? It's an honor to trust God, to put our faith and our trust and our hope in Jesus. He says, not only have you been given the privilege of trusting Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. Wow, right? Like, I I get the whole, it's an honor to put my trust in him, pastor, but I, you know, what is Paul talking about? How can he say that it's an honor to suffer for Jesus? And I think it's because he understood this central truth. Joy detaches your feelings from your circumstances. And what I mean by that is joy separates how I'm doing to how it's going. It separates it. A lot of times we, we only live by how it's going, right? Well, the money's running out and I still got more month, right? And so I don't have joy or the marriage is not good and, and that's how it's going. So I don't have joy. But Paul teaches us that we separate how we're doing from how it's going. That joy is not about circumstances around me, but joy is about what Christ is doing in me. And so it's a big, big step because even as Christians, we're tempted to be immature. And what I mean by that is is, is that we want to live and govern our lives or allow our emotions to govern our our lives. And and as I said last week, if we don't have authority over our emotions, then how are we going to have authority to heal the sick, raise the dead? bring God's kingdom into the earth, if we don't have authority over our emotions, then we're not gonna be able to demonstrate the kingdom. And so Paul writes, and I love this, he writes the happiest book in the entire Bible while he is in prison and awaiting death. That's when he writes it. And we're all like what? That's a head scratcher, right? How, how does he do that? Because we, we go through a lot less and we don't have any joy at all. Yet Paul is awaiting death and he's writing the happiest book of the Bible because he did not allow his circumstances to determine his level of joy. See, what you have to understand is joy is the fruit of a right relationship with Jesus, which means I may be sick in body, I may not have uh, uh, enough money to pay the bills, my marriage may be struggling, all of that may be true, but if I know Jesus, I can have joy. And see, that's, that, that takes a level of maturity. That takes a level of, of, that's moving from, you know, new Christian to season Christian, that I'm gonna trust God and have joy no matter what. And I wanna be honest with you. I want that for my life. I don't want my life to be determined. I don't want my joy to be determined by what I'm facing. I wanna have joy no matter what I'm facing. And not only do I want that for me, I want that for all of you. Even if you're in a season of suffering, I'm praying that in the midst of your struggle that you can still recognize that as long as Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you can have the joy of the Lord. And that's not easy, not easy. And I don't want to pretend that 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 is an easy thing to do, but we're going to get our attention on that because some of you are sitting here and you're thinking, Pastor, you have no idea what what I'm bearing right now. You have no idea what I carried in here. You don't know my relational status. You don't know my financial status. You, you, you don't understand the sickness that I, I've been carrying for this many years or months. You don't understand. And, and that's why I would never approach the subject of suffering in my own wisdom. But we're going to take Paul's wisdom. And the reason we're going to take Paul's wisdom is because Paul knew what it was like to suffer and keep joy. So we're going to look, before we come back to Philippians, let's look at 2 Corinthians 11. Here's what Paul said, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Five different times he was, he was, he was whipped with 39, 39 stripes, okay? Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was pelted with stones. I want to stop there and say if you are st- struggling today or in a season of suffering physically, how many of you know Paul understands physical suffering, right? He understands what physical suffering looks like. He goes on to say that three times I was shipwrecked. In other words, don't go on a cruise with Paul. Three different times he got on a boat that crashed, okay? So you don't want to cruise with him. He said, I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, bandits, in danger from Jews, in danger from Gentiles. What Paul's saying here is I know relational struggle. I know relational suffering. I had relationships that that went south, that people that loved me at one season of my life did not love me in the next season of my life. He said, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers, I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. You know what Paul is saying here? I know what poverty poverty is like. I know what it's like to have more month than money. I know what it's like to go to bed hungry. I know what it's like not to have clothes. I, I have been through all of those seasons. Paul knew relational suffering, financial suffering, physical suffering. Paul also understood silent suffering. And what I mean by silent suffering is that there are people in this room that everybody around you thinks that you're fine, that you got it all together, that everything's cool, but they don't see the inward suffering, the inward struggle that you are carrying. How many of you can go through a season of suffering and nobody else know it? There have been seasons in my life when I was suffering internally. Very, very bad. And nobody knew it because you got to be pastor. Pastor right you got to you got to put the you got to put the mask on you got to be you got to be mom you got to be dad got to be husband got to be wife you got to keep rolling right and so nobody knows that on the inside you are suffering and so Paul knew about that and what we have to understand about the prison he found himself in awaiting execution is that the Roman prison it was preceded by him being beaten humiliated stripped it was painful. Not only did he have all these wounds on his body, but there was, they didn't send a nurse in or a doctor to treat the wounds. And so it's open wounds, it's unbearably cold, and there was a stench from the sewage running through the dungeon that he was located. And because of the miserable conditions that they were in, if you study history from a historical perspective, many of the prisoners begged for death. Because it was easier to die than to live in this. Many of them committed suicide while there. And if anyone knew suffering, it was Paul. If anyone had a right to be bitter, it was Paul. If anybody had their, a right to shake their fist in God's face, it's Paul. Yet we find him in that condition choosing the joy of the Lord. Man. Makes me feel like I should never complain again. Makes me feel like that maybe we just a little whiny in the American church. Amen. Oh, did I say that out loud? I was just supposed to think that. I believe the reason he was able to choose joy is because he didn't process it through his own intellect and wisdom. He processed it through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is why Paul was able to choose joy. Philippians 1 and 9, he said this. He said, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge. Paul's saying, I want you to learn some stuff. And then he says, in depth of insight. What's he he talking about there? He's talking about wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit so that you may be able to discern. See, we all know that some hurts are deep. Deep hurts. Deep hurts that's caused a lot of suffering for people. And some situations are so bad that, humanly speaking, we are incapable of reconciling the hurt or the suffering. And during those moments, we have to lean into God's wisdom. Suffering can only be successful if we approach it, okay, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to give you three Quick keys, okay, and then we'll come, up with, we'll come back with three later points at the end. I want to give you three quick keys as it relates to the Holy Spirit in your season of suffering. Number one, start asking, how can I grow from this? How can I grow from this? The areas that you and I are experiencing struggle in, adversity in, most of the time, did you know that is the area that God is at work in? that that is the area that God is causing you to grow in, could it be that the area of struggle is the area that God is gonna use you the most? I said it in the 830 service. I mean, who better to speak to a drug addict than somebody who's found Jesus been set free of drugs that can go and share their, their mess with those people, but also let them know there's a hope on the other side of Christ. Who better to speak to somebody who's going through a divorce than somebody who's been through a divorce but have come out on the other side and they are healed and whole and not bitter any longer? How many of that's the best person for the job. You're right? I love the testimonies like I was saved at six and called to preach at seven and, and I've, I've loved the Lord every day of my life. That's awesome. We celebrate that. That's Praise God for it. But sometimes you need somebody that's gone through some mess that can help somebody else in the midst of their mess because God never wastes our pain. Never wastes it. He doesn't waste suffering. And so it, it, you know, I run into people, God's not doing anything in my life, Pastor. I'm like, well, I I, I don't want to be mean, but don't you have some problems in your life? If you don't have any problems, then I'll agree, God's not working. But if you got some problems, you need to know God's working. You know where I've grown the most is in the places that I struggled the most. I grown the most as a husband when I was a bad husband and God was dealing with me. I've grown the most as a dad when I wasn't being a real good dad, and the Holy Spirit was dealing with me. I've grown the most financially when I made poor decisions, and God said, you need to make better decisions financially. I've always grown the most in the area that I've struggled. God is always at work in your problems. Woo! (laughs) Praise the Lord, right? You know, we're not excited about that. You know, we, we would just rather be comfortable. I just want everything great all the time, pastor. Go to Disney World, I guess. I don't know. You're going to come out of there mad cuz Mickey robs you. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm I'm going to keep I'll keep beating that horse. <laughs> He's a thief and a robber. <laughs> philippians 1 and 11 paul says may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation the righteous character produced in your life by jesus christ for this will bring much glory and praise to god the fruit of your salvation is your character becoming more like jesus that process let's be honest it's painful because you don't always want to be like jesus you ever been frustrated in somebody? What would Jesus do? I'll bust you in the mouth, right? <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm not feeling like Jesus today, right? Because <laughs> salvation is more than just missing hell, guys. It's more than that. I know a lot of people treat Christ like fire insurance. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna receive Christ because I don't want to burn. But you got to understand that when we get saved, it's just the beginning that God's will is that you and I look more like Jesus, yes, that we reflect him more and more. He's working on our character. The, the kicker, though, is there's some things that I will never learn until I'm suffering. And, and what I mean by that is there is some strength that I will never receive until I'm weak. That there is some power I will never experience until I'm powerless. There's some hard places in life that that those hard places is where the deeper truth of God's word becomes alive in me. It's the hard places that I learn some of these things. So we have to shift from asking God for comfort because when we're suffering, what do we all pray for? God, bring comfort. God, bring peace. And I'm not saying it's wrong to pray comfort and peace, but we need to shift from that kind of thinking and we need to start asking God, God, how do you want me to grow from this? What do you want me to learn from this? People who ask that question, they come to the realization that joy It's not about what happens to me. Joy is about what Jesus is doing in me. Man, it's a big jump. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, it's a big jump. It's a big jump. The second thing we got to do is we have to stop asking, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Why did that happen? Why Why did my dad get cancer? Why did... I lose my house in the flood. Why are my children children on drugs? Why does why, why this happen? We all have a list of our whys, but I want you to know something this morning. You can die in your why. You can die in your why. And so I want to encourage you to move past the whys because if you get stuck in your why, you may miss what God is doing. We all have how many know, how many have some why questions for the Lord. Come on, raise your hands. He's not intimidated by your why. But but don't get stuck there. Don't don't get stuck in your why because one of one of the things that's hurting Christians is we have this myth in our mind that God exists to keep bad things from happening to me. It's a big myth. God exists to keep all the bad stuff from ever happening to me. That's not why God exists. God never made that promise and Jesus tells us the opposite. In John's gospel, chapter 16, he said, I've told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. How many know that's not the verse you put on your refrigerator? That's not the one. What's your life verse, Pat? John 16, 33. In the world, I'm going to have a bunch of trouble. That's not the one everybody's quoting and claiming. But, but he goes on to say, take heart, I've overcome the world. So God never promised to keep trouble from us, but he does promise that he will carry us through our trouble, right? That, that's, that's the promise. Philippians 1 and 12, he said, Paul said, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Paul, Paul, Paul. How, how does he do that? Because Paul didn't get stuck in his why. He Paul had questions too. He's the one who told us we know in part and we prophesy in part. Paul's telling us we never have Full information when it comes to our relationship with God. We know in part, we prophesy in part, it's a walk of faith. God only shows us our next step. And part of the reason God only shows us our next step is is because on the day you got saved, if God gave you a book of everything you would have to endure as you serve the Lord, some of you would say, I'm not signing up for that. I'm not going to sign up for people walking out on me. I'm not going to sign up for being sick. I'm not going to sign up for this happening or that happening. I'm not signing up. For, if I'm going to have to endure all of that and be, keep joy in it, I'm not signing up for it. God never gives us the full picture. He gives us we know in part, we prophesy in part. And so as much as we want to know the answer to our why questions, number three, this is important We need to continue asking, what is God's purpose for me? When you're suffering, you gotta get your attention off the problem and onto the promise, off the problem and on God's purpose for your life because God never wastes our sorrows he never wastes our pain. He has a plan for every problem that you face, every problem that I face, and it's where we learn that I can have joy if I don't get stuck on the problem, but I keep my eyes on the purpose. There's always purpose. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, there's purpose. Look at, look at Philippians 1.13. He said, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, or we could even put there, because of my sufferings, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord. Paul is telling us, my chains have a purpose. That my suffering has a purpose. Now, let me help somebody theologically. It's not that God puts suffering on you, but God always uses your suffering. How many of what the devil means for evil? God always will turn around for my good. So you, you can't get stuck in the whys. You can't get stuck in, 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 you know, why is this happening to me? And and all that. You gotta focus on purpose because some of you feel metaphorically chained like Paul did. You feel chained to a desk, to a dead-end job. Or a stay-at-home mom who feels like everybody else's life is going on and I'm here with the four rugrats, right? Uh, You know, we feel chained to certain areas of our life. But if you were to pray and to ask God, God, deliver me from from my chains. Deliver me from what I'm going through. I don't like the suffering that I'm facing. God would probably speak to your heart and let you know that he's going to bring people into your world and he's going to cause your pain to have a purpose. Every single time he will use, how many he always takes our mess and makes it a message. He always does. Our test becomes the testimony. And many of us we, we don't like the process. And I don't know what he's saying I like the process all the time, but there's something about detaching our feelings from, from who we are and what God is doing that that what how how it's going does not determine how I am. It may not be good all around me, but I know Jesus, He knows me and I've got the joy of the Lord. It's a powerful confession, a powerful perspective because God will not only utilize your pain to minister to others, but, but it, he will also speak purpose to people, that, that there's something about if you know there's something on the other end, how many of you can endure something if you know there's something on the other end. You can go through a whole lot if you know there's something on the other end. So God, God can take our hardship, our pain, our tears, and all of that, and, and give us purpose. See, Paul was in chains. He was beaten. They had taken away his freedom, his friends, his family. But you know one thing they never took from Paul? His purpose. They were not able to take his purpose. They were not able to take his purpose or his joy. Now, Most of the the joyful people that I know, it's because they live their life on purpose. They live their life with a purpose in mind. And and this is not going, you're you're going to think I'm joking here, but in the midst of suffering, God gives us three gifts. Three gifts in suffering. Number one, let me read the verse first because this is where they're found. Philippians 1.19. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer, okay, through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit, okay, the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. Watch this. The first thing he says happens in suffering, he says the prayer of others, the prayer of others, okay? What that means is, is there are times and seasons as a believer that you will go through such a struggle that you don't even know how to pray for yourself, there will be seasons where you cannot articulate what it, what, what it is you're feeling. And, and I don't want you to beat yourself up for that today. You may be here and you can't even muster up a prayer for yourself because you're just worn out. But, but you need to know God has set this up in such a way, and this is the beautiful thing about being the body of Christ. God has set it up to where we need one another. Okay, and that's what the body of Christ is about. That's why if you were not a part of small groups this last semester, you did yourself a big disservice because you're not living in relationship. If you're not on the dream team, the dream team is not just to serve and make things happen. It's also a community of people that are doing life together. And so there's something powerful about being hooked up with other people. The second thing he says, not only do you get the prayer of others, secondly, the supply of the Spirit. And I love this one because the word supply, it it, it means this. When you run out of steam you run out of resources, you feel like you can't put one foot in front of the other, exactly at that moment the Holy Spirit will show up and give you the strength you need to keep keep walking on your journey. Have you ever went through a season in your life that was so difficult, so painful that you look back on the season and you thought to yourself, how did I even make it through? I'll tell you how you made it through. The supply of the Holy Spirit came and gave you strength when you didn't have the strength to take the next step on your own the prayer of others the supply of the spirit see paul discovered what many believers miss god's strength is supplied in my weakness how many how many you believe me now that this is a heavy assignment today it's heavy i'll be honest with you i I, I don't always like preaching this I like that. Woo! God's gonna do it. But there are seasons of suffering, seasons where it don't go our way. And Paul's testimony is an encouragement to me because if God's grace was sufficient for Paul, who Left his family to go and plant churches, who was beaten and in prison and was awaiting death. If God's grace was sufficient for him, then I know God's grace is sufficient for you and I today. Amen. His grace is sufficient. So there's not only the prayer of others, the supply of the Spirit, but third, we have a Savior named Jesus. This is good news. And it's not just because he's all-powerful and can deliver and snatch us out of what we're going through, but I want you to look at some things about Jesus. The first being, Jesus also suffered. How many know Jesus suffered? Past tense, like when he was on the earth, he suffered. And, and Hebrews 4 and 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. When you look at Jesus, you see a man who was abandoned by his family. You see a man who lost his possessions. You see a man who had early success in ministry, but because of rumors and misunderstanding, it caused more than 90% of his supporters to, to leave him. He faced constant criticism. His closest friends abandoned him. He had one disciple betray him. He was falsely accused and arrested. He was beaten. He was wrongly convicted and put to death. Jesus knows about suffering. So not only does he, has he suffered, Jesus suffers presently some of us miss this in scripture when jesus says i will never leave you i will never forsake you i will be with you to the end of the age it's true he is always there see when paul was suffering in prison what you have to see is paul wasn't alone when paul wept jesus wept when paul suffered jesus suffered Jesus looked at one city, and the Bible says that he wept over the city. Why? Because he has compassion. God sees us in our struggle, and there's not anything that you and I will endure, any pain that we will face, that God is not there. How many are thankful that no matter what you're facing, Jesus is always there? You are never alone. Never alone. Jesus suffered. He also suffers. Then he showed us how to suffer. Look at Hebrews 12 and 2. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And this is the powerful part. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. But now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. As Jesus was suffering, He looked through the pain, he looked through the struggle and the suffering, and he saw the payoff. The payoff was you and I. See, when you look at this, it's not like Jesus just signed up and said, I just want to suffer. That's not what he did. Jesus suffered because he looked into time and saw you. And he said, the suffering, the current suffering is worth it. The pain is worth it because I know what the payoff is. I'm going to know my people. I'm going to know the people that I love. He, he, he counted the cost worth it. And, and when we choose joy in, in our suffering, we're not rejoicing because of the suffering itself. We're rejoicing because we know that there is a purpose, that the payoff is worth the pain. Jesus, the last thing I want to give you as the worship team comes back, Jesus will end suffering. He will. Look at Revelation 21 and 3. It said, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no mourning or crying or pain. For the the order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Jesus Jesus suffered. He suffers. He taught us how to suffer. And one day he's going to end all suffering. How many know Jesus is still coming back for his church? It's happening. One day all suffering will end. Now, I I gotta clarify something. And the reason this message is heavy on a lot of levels is because of this part. Jesus will end suffering for all who believe and trust in him. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, the suffering you're facing here is nothing compared to the suffering in eternity. And I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm not, I'm not saying that because I'm mean or don't like, I love people. I want people to be saved. I want them to know Jesus. But, but what we have to understand is that if we don't know Jesus, if we're not in relationship with him, the suffering of this world pales in comparison to the suffering of hell. And the Bible talks about a literal place called hell. And there's a lot of torment there, but how many know the biggest torment of hell is the absence of God's presence? That it's too late. And it doesn't matter how many good things we do, doesn't matter how much money we've given away, if you do not know Jesus, I'm not being mean, if we don't know Jesus, we're not ready for heaven. He is the door. He is, the, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can get to the Father except through Jesus. How I many? That's just the gospel. That, that's the gospel. And I know some people would say, well, that's just not right. How can God, how could God allow me to go to hell? How could God do that to me? He's not, Scripture says, that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to a relationship with him and spend eternity in his presence. Aren't you thankful that Jesus has paid the penalty of our sins? Listen, the suffering here, you may be broke, you may be sick, you may have family that's turned their back on you, And that's all significant. I won't belittle any of that, but it all pales in comparison to the suffering that we will face if we walk into eternity and we don't know Jesus Christ as our Savior. I don't know about you, but I can have joy knowing that it may not all work out all the time down here, but I can have joy knowing that I'm in a relationship with Jesus. And as long as he's in my heart, I can have the joy of the Lord. Come on, if you believe that, give God a praise this morning. Come on. Come on, stand to your feet. I'm finished. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes for just a minute, and I want to speak to the people that are in this room that are suffering, but you're suffering without Christ. You, you don't, you're not in relationship with Him. You, you you've gone through maybe a bankruptcy, maybe you're sick in body, maybe you've been through a divorce, you've you you've just had a lot of struggle, you've had a lot of suffering. I'm telling you, suffering can be endured when we have Christ in our life. He can give joy in spite of all that. It doesn't mean he's gonna work everything out in our favor all the time, but it does mean we can have joy knowing that we're in a relationship with him. As heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one looking around. If you're watching online, this is for you too. But if you're in this room this morning, you say, Pastor, I'm, that, you're talking to me. I know that I need to turn my life over to Jesus Christ. I know I need to do that. I need to make that decision. I need to invite him into my heart. I need my sins forgiven. That's the Holy Spirit you feel tugging at your heart. That's not me. That's the Holy Spirit. I can't draw people to God. I don't have that power. You don't have that power. Only the Holy Spirit can draw us into a relationship with him. I'm not going to embarrass anyone. That's not, you know, our motivation at Bethesda Church. We never want to embarrass anyone. But we do need you to take a bold step of faith today. And if that is you and you say, I need Jesus and I'm not leaving here without him, I want my sins to be forgiven. If that's you, would you shoot your hand up right there where you are and say, that's me. I need Jesus today. One over here, God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. One over here, God bless you. Thank you for your obedience. Another one back there, God bless you. Anyone else, just shoot it up. One back there, God bless you. Thank you for that hand, sir. God sees it. Come on, don't miss your moment. We're getting ready to pray and I want you to be in on this prayer. I want you to be in on this. Anyone else? You say, that's me, Pastor. Anyone else before we pray? Anyone else? We're gonna pray with all these hands that have went up. We're believing that as we introduce them to Jesus today that their life, they're gonna feel like the weight of the world has been lifted off them. Bethesda, let's pray out loud together with all these hands that went up. Come on, let's say, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I know that you are the way, the truth, and the life. So today, I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me for all my sins Jesus I make you my Lord and my Savior be the boss of my life in Jesus name amen come on celebrate all those hands yeah come on church it's awesome come on give him praise for one more online salvation come on Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to switch gears. I want my prayer team, staff to come forward, line up across the front. I really felt led to, to make this prayer time about those who are suffering today, those who are struggling. could be relationally. It could be financially. It could be physically in your body. It may just be silent. you you got an internal struggle nobody else knows about. We want you, you may not even know how to pray for yourself, and that's okay. I've been there when I didn't know how to pray for myself. And I had to ask somebody, would you please just pray for me? That's what this church is about. We want to pray for you. We want we want we want to believe with you. But as our team comes forward to pray, if you need prayer, we want to to agree with you and just trust that that in your suffering, in your struggle, God is still working out a plan. Before we pray for those people and and sing this last song, can we give God one more praise today just for being awesome? Come on, he's an awesome God. Thank you so much for being here today. Let's worship God together. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.